Welcome to Take Notice, Amplifying Black Stories. I'm your host, Allison Preisinger-Higgins. Take Notice, Amplifying Black Stories is a podcast exploring society, culture, and current events through conversation. We aspire to create an open, respectful, and equitable space where guests may feel free to share their truth and lived experiences. Our core values are rooted in community, connection, and personal development. Stories help us learn, relate, and grow. We are here to listen, to take notice. Thank you for being with us. I would like to acknowledge the land on which this episode was created. I would like to show gratitude to the traditional ancestral land of the Coast Salish people, including the Duwamish people past and present. Land acknowledgement statements are an important part of honoring those whose land we now live and work on. We begin each episode this way to help spark ideas and keep these conversations in the front of our minds so that we may continue to be open to doing better. I encourage listeners to research the land on which you live and are listening right now. Recognizing this is just the beginning. Some additional next steps to consider would be to seek out the stories of Native people from our shared history and today. Spend time asking yourself difficult questions and challenging norms that may be linked to colonialism. Engage in your community around topics like land tax, curriculum, hiring practices, decision-making, organizing, and reparations. Seek out media created by Native people. The more you explore, challenge, and learn, the more questions may arise. But this is how we grow and connect. Thank you for joining us for Take Notice, Amplifying Black Stories. This is our last regular episode of the second season. Next week, we will have our season finale wrap up. And I appreciate all of you listeners for listening and supporting the continuation of Take Notice and our second season guests. If you're interested in sharing your feedback, we would love to hear it through a survey that we have available on our website. If you go to takenoticepodcast.org, you can find a link to a survey on that page. And also through our mailing list, we will share that as well. So if you have not signed up for our mailing list yet, you can also do that on our website. And uh, we would love to stay connected with you as we will be bringing back season three of Take Notice starting in September. So not too much longer from now. And we would love to continue on with your feedback in mind. So thank you for doing that in advance. And if you're interested in being a part of Take Notice for season three as a guest, we would love to have you and love to hear your story. You can also visit our website for a an intake form there, takenoticepodcast.org. Today's episode was recorded back in March when spring was just beginning to spring, and this conversation turned out to be one of the most inspirational that we've had in terms of being active in the community and growing personally. Gary O'Valley shares about growing up traveling to visit family rooted all over the world, being a part of community activism as a family from a young age, and what he's doing now to inspire others into action. Gary encourages everyone to grow forward and give back, finding purpose in service of others. He is a successful entrepreneur and social activist. Gary O'Valley has strived to heal and strengthen black and brown communities for almost 25 years. With Unjustified, his best-selling book, he provides insights so that many more are able to find their own success for themselves, their families, and their communities. He encourages people to say less and do more because conversation is good, but action is gold. I thank you all for supporting our Take Notice guests, and thank you for being with us. 
Please enjoy my conversation with Gary O'Valley. Gary, thanks for joining me on Take Notice. I appreciate you finding the time and spending this time with me today. And you, we were just talking about the weather before we got started. And you're over in, in New York where it's starting to get chilly again, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> So how are you today? Thank you, Allison. I appreciate it. Um, I am great, right? Uh, the weather's starting to turn. We're starting to see a lot more activity. Uh, so I'm, I'm always happy for it, right? The, the clocks have changed. We're getting more daylight during the daytime. I love yes. any and all of that. I'm just so appreciative, right? It's, it's, the, it's the little things that I'm always grateful for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking, We went on, my husband and I went on a walk yesterday and passing all the blooming flowers and the blooming trees. We have cherry cherry blossoms out here. Oh, beautiful. And uh, I was like, I think I used to, I, summer used to be my favorite, but I think it might be shifting to spring. <laughs> so, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're in New York. What part of New York do you live in? Uh, I'm out in Long Island. Oh, okay. Okay. Did yeah. you grow up there or? I did. Born and raised out here. Spent oh. all my life out here. Uh, thankfully, though, I was I, I got into traveling internationally early in my life. So I think somewhere around like that seven, eight years old, I was traveling by myself internationally. Oh, wow. You know, going to visit family in the Caribbean, in Europe. Uh, so I had a chance to see what that looked like. Um, but yeah, born and raised out here. So I had, I had a chance to see a lot of it. And because I traveled early, I had a chance to kind of see what that looked like compared to other places in the world. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What uh, what made it so that you were able to do that traveling so young? Just family or? Yeah. Thank- thankfully, I have a really, really good mix, right? So my family comes out of the Caribbean for, most, for the most part. And then there's another half that comes out of Europe. So I get a chance when it's time to travel. I'll go into the Caribbean to hang out. I'll go into Europe to hang out. And it makes such a great way, right? Especially growing up as a young person, uh, it was, I was always excited to go see them because one, we're very, we're very tight, you know, mm. for, for all of us. Uh, my mother, I think, was one of like ten or, or eleven. Oh right? wow, yeah. Um, so there, there's just so many aunts and uncles and cousins and nephews. Uh, so and, and I love it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So we're really tight. And then once we're all together, it's just such a good time. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Wow. What a great opportunity to be able to see different spaces and cultures and different environments uh, while you're yeah. growing up and throughout. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And what, what makes it a lot of fun also is that I guess in these spaces, my family was encouraged to learn so many languages and, and kind of visit so many other parts of the world. So when we get together, this thing is like a United Nations meeting. You know, the conversation <laughs> starts in English, it jumps to Spanish, somebody pulls out Dutch, somebody's moving into German, wow. somebody wants to be fancy and bring out French and Italian back to English <laughs> because mostly everybody at the table speaks English. Like such a beautiful, beautiful way. And then on top of that, just the shapes and the sizes, right? Like my family, they're black, they're Spanish, they're white. So I get to see all of it, right? And mm-hmm. we I had a chance to grow up with all of that. So it really, really helped determine and shape, you know, who and what I am, but also just the just the experiences, you know, that I've had along the way. Ah, that sounds amazing. Wow. Who did you grow up surrounded by in New York in Long Island? Parents, siblings? Yeah, my mother and father both uh, migrated here in the 60s. Mm. Uh, They quickly naturalized and then they started their family here in the United States. And uh, and it was just us, right? All the rest of our family was 
uh, in the Caribbean somewhere, it was in okay. Europe somewhere. So it was just, you know, the, the, the five of us, you know, um, kind of just, well, the six of us, right? Uh, just hanging out and kind of growing up, which was also a little scary, right? Because you don't exactly have anyone to lean on mm. immediately, you know, mm -hmm. especially inside of your family. And what that meant for us was we really had to dive into the community aspect, you know, uh, in the places that we lived, forming unbelievable bonds of community and friendship. And this is where I quickly learned as a young person, family is not just blood related. It's so much deeper than that. Now, I didn't understand that until I was older, mm -hmm. but I had a chance to see that as a young person. And I said, oh, man, this my family can be anything that I'd like it to be, you know, and I can fill it with as many beautiful human beings as I'd like. As I got older, it made complete sense, uh, but it really did help transform how we operated and kind of moved along uh, in, in, in New York, especially. Wow. Yeah. In what ways did your family do that when you were younger do you, uh, that you remember? Um, so for, for us, it was, uh, my mother was an activist, uh, during her heyday, right? Okay. Uh, so she was really into community activism, galvanizing the community for simple things like just cleanup projects and other more, you know, more, more important things like, Hey, there's a gang violence problem here. There's a mm -hmm. drug, you know, problem here. Let's clean these things up. Let's beautify our town. Let's make it safe for our children. And in that way, I had a chance to see her create relationships with local members of the community, the schools, uh, law enforcement, local government agencies. And she started to become a liaison between the community and all these other spaces as well for everyone. And what it allowed to happen was the community got safer. It got friendlier. We grew closer and everything got better, right? Mm. The relationships, you know, especially between the community and law enforcement when I think about it, right? Like we look at the times now and it feels like we are at total odds with each other. I remember growing up in an environment where they were totally welcomed and there was a community policing model that existed that my mother helped create in, 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 our, in our township. Mm. And that helped really spark, you know, what, what the environment that I grew up around and reaching out and extending our family and friends into all these other individuals. Uh, that's kind of really what it was. We just, we dove into the idea that if we're going to be here in this country, make the most of it and mm -hmm. dive into it. And as such, uh, we were able to create some amazing relationships, uh, especially with, with a lot of, a lot of members from law enforcement as well. And it created the most beautiful environment here you know, that we grew up in. And it really made the difference, right? As I started to go up, grow up into the world, I just recognized that things don't have to be how we're told they have to be. We absolutely have the ability to change that right where we are. And we don't have to be very big and powerful. Like my mother is a little tiny, tiny woman. <laughs> and she managed to get everybody up and moving and doing what they needed to do to create a better environment for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Like obviously she wanted to create a safe space for her children to grow up, but she recognized in order to do that, she had to create a safe space for everyone's children to grow up. Yeah. And in that space, we just, we leaned into it. You know, I have friends that call me uh, regularly, friends of the family, that we consider them family. And this is now 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, right? And it was still very, very tight knit. Uh, and they've all moved, you know, not all of them still stayed here in New York. They've moved into mm -hmm. other parts of the United States, moved into other parts 
of, of, of other countries. And we still managed to stay pretty close. And that just speaks to how strong those bonds were, you know, mm-hmm. when, when I was younger. Wow. That sounds, yeah, that's amazing. It sounds like your mother was completely inspiring oh, <laughs> in tremendous. many ways and on you yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. If, yeah. I, if I had to pick, you know, that individual who had the most influence, you know, mm. usually it's always a parent, you know, but in this particular case, uh, my mother was just a, a cut above and beyond the rest, right? Wow. Like she just, she didn't just help us, right? She helped everyone. And in doing so, she created models that everyone was able to look at, right? Mm. Like I can still walk through our community with my mother and total strangers to me will come up and say, hey, mom, hey, mom, because that's the kind of woman she was, right? It was just such a beautiful, beautiful time. And it's even more beautiful now that we get a chance to see it because she's much older now. She's so many decades removed from that kind of work. And the impact that she left, you still see it when when these individuals approach her and speak to her. Mm. It's absolutely beautiful. Wow. That's amazing. What did your uh, father do when you were growing up? Uh, he was working his tail off, is what he was doing. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like at both the of them were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, at the end of the day, um, you must, right? Uh, especially mm-hmm. in New York. New York is a, a very, very expensive state. Oh, uh, they yeah. They don't play around over here. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone has to pay the bills, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that went on for a while uh, until obviously, and, until eventually they divorced. And then that was the end of that. Oh, okay. But yeah. he was also very, very active in that, that community activism as well, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he took a, a major role in that, in the growth of that as well. And he also, right, tremendous influence for so many individuals. Uh, they also recognize his contribution in their life. And they are, you know, full, they're, they're grown individuals. They've had their families. They've raised their families. They're helping raise their grandchildren. And they'll still, you know, communicate and speak to me about how influential my parents were in their lives, even today. Mm, just wow. it, absolutely uh, amazing and inspiring. And it just lets me know that that's how powerful we all are. And if I choose, I can do that, not just for myself and my family, but for, for the community as well. And that's the path that I have chosen, right? I continue to operate in those spaces. Yeah, yeah. And so when you were growing up, what kinds of interests and things did you get into? Were you Did you follow along when your parents would go to, to events and things? Or were you into other stuff and then kind of came around to it later on? Or how did that go for you? Yeah, no, I was knee deep involved right away. Yeah. Right? So I, I had to be a six, seven, eight year old child in these spaces. As they were out there, uh, let's say protesting something, I would be the child handing out coffee and hot chocolate oh, nice. to all the adults, you know, mm-hmm. that are kind of doing their thing. Um, I got to show up at all of these. Uh, private panels and these events and these conversations that were happening between local government officials, police, you know, the local police department and our community. I got to show up to these events and kind of just sit quietly and listen and learn and hear, you know, some of the concerns of, of community members. Now, again, as a child, I really didn't understand a lot of it. As I got older, though, I was quickly able to see the sense of it, how it was important, why it was important. And why it is, you know, individuals need to step into these spaces. Oftentimes, these are the conversations that we don't have, but create the biggest impact for us if we're willing to engage in them. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds uh, like a a unique experience to be able to learn that early how those types of things work and kind of seeing 
maybe not the back end of things, but like how the community can be involved and how the process works, at least to to get heard and all those things. So were your were your siblings there as well? Did they all get into it as well? Or what were they up to? Yeah, it, it was a family affair. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely was. You yeah. Know? Now, we were all tremendous athletes as well, right? So we, okay. we spent a lot of time on the field of play. Uh, but outside of that, we came right to the field of activism, right? Yeah. Right at the community level. And we did. We, we, we were there. We were active. We participated uh, in any and every way that allowed my parents to be successful, right? In the spaces that they were. When they wanted to move into like youth development type opportunities, again, we were right there. We were spearhead a lot of that. And as such, we created amazing relationships with other members in our community. Years, years later, we still run into these individuals and, and they tell us exactly how important and impactful that was for them in, in, in their life. But we did. We, we all had a chance to get involved and take part. And at the end of the day, especially for me, I know it did the same for my siblings, but it left an indelible mark. There's no way to unlearn that. You know, once you do, it's like reading. I dare you to unlearn how to read, right? It's, <laughs> like, it's like, how? How, how, how can you do that? Right. And for me, it was as soon as I saw these things and I was able to get to the point where I could understand them, those two things connected immediately. And I recognized that was something I wanted to continue throughout my entire life. So I took that same model and I applied it in high school, in college, in my workplaces, raising a family, these later years, now that I'm approaching retirement and giving back to community even more, like I, I continue to do all of these things because I recognize just how important it was and having the chance to see it early, just unbelievable how, how important and how special that is, mm -hmm. you know, for a young person to understand that, apply it because it's not about really changing your life. It's about helping so many others. And in that space, what a beautiful space to occupy, mm -hmm. right? I, like me, I find my greatest joy when I am in the service of others. And that's where my passion is. And that's where my happiness is. And there's no feeling like that in the world, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't want you to give me anything. Just tell me how it is I can serve you, right? Mm -hmm. And and I'm I'm so excited to leave the space with that. And oftentimes I, I run into some conflict with others because they're like, you know, you do so much. How can we kind of pay that back in return? And I'm, for me, it's go show somebody else, right? Go pass sure. that along. Mm -hmm. You know, we grow forward and give back. And I don't have to be the recipient in those spaces. And I prefer not to be mm -hmm. the recipient in those spaces. So I always encourage people, listen, the, the, the blessings and the beauty that I have shared with you, please go share that with someone else so they know it's possible and doable. And this is how we kind of spread love in our communities instead of just talking about it or wishing for it. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And then such a wonderful perspective to approach things with. I, I appreciate that a lot. That's wonderful. So when you were taking what you learned from your parents and those experiences onward from high school, what, what did that look like for you? What was that journey? Did you go off to college? Did you go straight to work? What did you do next? Yeah, for me, it was it was college bound. Um, so I went to college again um, in my family. We, we were all tremendous athletes. So all of us went to school on full rides. You what know, sports did ball. you all do? 
Uh, for me, it was football, right? Football okay. and baseball, but I, I, I concentrated in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother was baseball. My sister, uh, she was softball. Just wow. like we, we were all athletes and, and we were able to go to school that way, you know, um, awesome. and, and it paid for our schooling as well. So thankfully, right? But I jumped into those spaces and immediately, you know, you can I continue to apply the same lessons. And what I quickly recognized was, hey, I have the ability to create community in brand new spaces. Right. It wasn't just the space I grew up in. Mm-hmm. I could take these same lessons and apply them in other spaces, make friends with new people and create brand new community where I am. And that's where I learned, my goodness, this this thing is replicable. You can do this anywhere. Mm-hmm. Anyone can do this. So I would share that with others. And just like that, you know, Sundays became uh, a dinner for myself and my friends. We would start to cook. And, you know, college kids don't cook. right? <laughs> yeah. I knew how to cook when I went to school. So I took it upon myself. I shared with others. And before you know it, other individuals who knew how would come and say, hey, I'd like to cook this week. Or I'd like to help cook this week. And before you know it, we have this beautiful environment and we're doing that on Sundays. And then it breaks into two days a week and now three days a week. And before you know it, we're breaking bread regularly with individuals in our community, in our college. And it's just allowing us to grow closer. And again, those same relationships. I know these individuals now for decades, we're still close because we managed to find space to grow close with one another when we were younger. Doing it there, I met my wife, right? We're college sweethearts. Mm. Uh, so it was wonderful. I had a chance to meet her. And in those spaces, look, I was always serious. I was always trending upwards in terms of maturity, right? Mm. Um, so I recognized, man, she's kind of a keeper. Right? Like, <laughs> I'd, let me find out if we're on the same page. So <laughs> I'd ask a bunch of questions, you know, what do you think about family? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I started to quickly realize, man, that we have a lot in common. You know, and that's outside of just liking each other, right? We have a Mm -hmm. lot in common in terms of where we would like to see our future go. And that's exactly what we did, right? We quickly agreed, hey, let's um, get married. Let's start a family early. Let's retire early and let's enjoy our life that way. And that, that is exactly how that thing transpired. And in every step of those spaces, I kept applying those same lessons that I learned from my youth, right? Wow, yeah. Give give often. And after you finish, give more. Hmm. And it's really simple, right? Uh, <laughs> and in those spaces, everyone benefits. Everyone benefits. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's remarkable. You're able to to have that foresight that early on in college. Not, yeah, you're right. Not, not, <laughs> it's a minority maybe that, <laughs> that are able to do that. <laughs> that that age. <laughs> Man, and, you know, the funny thing is, as serious as we were trying to have the conversation, what does an 18 or a 19, 20 year old know about marriage and having a family and retirement? And what do you really know about that at that age? Yeah. You hope for the best, right. but it's mostly wishful thinking, right? <laughs> You're just figuring it out as you go still, but yeah. <laughs> but to think that through, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. yeah what, does, pretty good. what does your wife do? She's... Uh, you know, currently she's, uh, she was in, uh, like state farm, like the insurance space for a okay, while. Yeah. Uh, she moved into the IRS space now. I 
I want her to just retire. I want someone yeah. to hang out with. <laughs> I don't want her to be done with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, but, but, you know, she's very driven in her own space and I support her in all things and all ways, right? So yeah. if that's what she would like to do, wonderful. But I've asked her a few times already, right? I think I was 27 the first time I asked her, like, hey, we're doing pretty well. Why don't we go do this somewhere else, you know, and kind of get out of here? Mm-hmm. She's like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I said, all right, I'll ask you again. I think uh, somewhere in our early 30s, I asked her again. And she was like, well, you know, the kids are getting ready to go to school. I'm not so sure. And I'm just getting back to work now. And I kind of like it. I said, all right, you know, I'm here to support you, whatever you want to do. At this point, I'm like, listen, (laughs) we we done did a lot now. We got a lot (laughs) of time behind us. How about we stop playing games and go enjoy the remainder of our life, right? Like we just just celebrated 25 years. Ah, congratulations. So- We've been doing this a while, mm-hmm. and we've been doing it here for a while. So <laughs> why not change our scenery or something, right? Yeah. We were empty nesters for a while, which was fantastic, until COVID brought everyone home. Right? Oh, okay. Uh, and then it brought our children home, and that was that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I imagine, and for us, it's like, we love it, because we haven't had this dynamic, everyone in the house, since they were younger, before they went off to college. So mm-hmm. we love the fact that everyone's home. We love the fact that we can have family dinners again and hang out and watch, you know, a movie together on the couch and all that good stuff. Um, but we know that's also short lived, mm-hmm. right? Eventually the world is starting to open back up again. Our children are very, very ambitious and successful. They're going to continue to move on in their directions. And at this point, hey, it's just going to be me and you again. How about it? Right? Yeah. So I'm hoping this time I'm going to convince her to come. Yeah, there you go. And you're saying, I think it was before we got on here, you're saying maybe the Caribbean. Is that is that oh, what's yeah, in your brain? Sure. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I have a place out in the Dominican Republic now. Uh, I think I'd like to pick up something in one of the other islands that's outside of the hurricane belt, you know, like Aruba, Benair, Curacao. I'll probably oh. pick up something around there. Okay. Um, and then just hang out, right? Just enjoy our time. We have the ability to kind of, you know, have a base of operations here in New York and another base in the Caribbean. And I also have family in uh, in Europe, in Holland. So oh, okay. uh, we hang out over there as well. It, that's a pretty good way. That, yeah. That's a pretty good way. And do that for a couple of years and then figure out what we would like to do. Mm-hmm. Listen, you know, we... We work so hard, especially in this in, in this country, right? It's not just New York that's so expensive, right? Yeah. We work so hard for what we have, for the life we have, for the life we built. At some point, you have to enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so often, people get to that point in their life where they turn back and they finally reflect on things. And oftentimes, they're, they're just a little past their prime, where they can really take advantage and enjoy that time and space. Yeah. They're a little they're a little further into their twilight than they would like to be. Mm-hmm. And I always encourage people, hey, live your life, work as hard as you can. It takes about 20 years to secure your financial security. But even in that time, find space for yourself, right? It, mm-hmm. Don't grow your business or your finances at the expense of yourself. Don't do it. So I always encourage people to remember, stop, smell the roses, take some time, take a sabbatical, right? I put my wife on sabbatical twice since we've been married. Oh, nice. And that's because she deserved it. She needed it. She wanted it. And we feel, we almost feel guilty by taking time off. And that was one of the things I had to tell her, look, we're going to put, we're going to table that. We're going to stop that right now. Mm -hmm. You are not going to feel guilty about taking time off. You are going to take this time and enjoy it. You're going to do whatever you want with it. And if I'm there to enjoy it, great. 
If I'm not, you better still enjoy it, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, this is time for you to find and heal you. So take the time to do so. I encourage that often and always. So, you know, even in all my spaces, I, I've, I've worked way harder than I should have in moments, but ultimately I was able to learn those lessons where you really do have to take the time because to build your businesses at the expense of yourself, uh, to ignore your health because you're pursuing, you know, finances or capital or something like, uh, very short-sighted and they, it usually doesn't pan out how you want it to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah that, that's interesting. You, your family's also from Holland. I visited there a few years ago and I, when I was there, I have a friend that lives there. And when I was there, I noticed that a lot of the billboards and a lot of the messaging was kind of what you're like much more geared towards taking time, vacationing, having that balance than anything I've ever seen out here. So I, mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. It's different mindset and different awareness that is beyond where we're at in the, in the States, at least right now, <laughs> maybe it's yeah. shifting, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Like, I, I mean, it's definitely shifting. I definitely see that conversation happening. You know, more and more people are concerned about, their health and their well-being, right? You just start to see certain language that's more mainstream now in terms of, you know, self-care and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely shifting in that direction. But again, like I had mentioned earlier, being able to travel into those spaces early on in life, I was able to hear that and see right. that. And then I was able to look back and say, wait a minute, that's not exactly the message that I grew up with or the messaging yeah. that I've heard all school year long, you know, before I jump in the summer over somewhere. Yeah. And that's when I was really able to kind of put them up against each other and start to dissect them. You know, what makes sense? What's right? What's not right? Uh, what are the things that I want to carry on? You know, when it's my turn. And I quickly recognize, you know, that, that taking care of self, that was just, uh, a priority. And you're right. In, in other parts of the world, especially in Holland, uh, they demand it. They, they, they refuse to let you work weekends. They refuse to let you work through your holiday. They demand that you take it because they know that's what's required for you to be your best self, your healthiest self. It makes perfect sense when you're into personal development and when you're into, you know, health and nutrition. Uh, but when that's not normal and natural, it almost feels like you're talking another language. It's almost like right. sacrilegious to sell someone to take off a day or don't work this weekend or something like mm -hmm. it, it. It's insane the amount of pressure that we put on ourselves here. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. 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 And for what payoff? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. Right. No, nothing, nothing really worth it. Right. The, the only real metric is health. That's mm -hmm. the only real metric because without it, you come to the reality real fast. I guess all those other things weren't as important as I thought they were. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. Health will quickly have you realize the things that matter in life and the things that maybe don't matter as much in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Can you describe a bit of your work and what you what you do? I've I've asked you about everybody else, and then now I <laughs> I need to get to you. <laughs> That's right. Um, so me, I, I've been in the entrepreneur space, that business owner space, since college. Right since I realized I wanted to get married early, and my wife and I realized we wanted to have a family early. I recognized quickly I could not work for others because I didn't want to miss a minute. I didn't want to miss anything, right? Especially when you're raising children, that time goes by so fast. And once it's gone, it is gone forever. Mm -hmm. And in that way, I recognized 
I needed to control my calendar, right? I just, I, I knew that about time. Maybe I didn't understand all the other things, but I knew I needed to control that much of it. So I jumped into entrepreneurship, construction space. Mm. I went from there into the renewable energy space. And, you know, currently I still have a, a renewable energy company, oh, uh, okay. you know, working out here in New York. We do a lot of work on the, uh, the East Coast as well as in the Caribbean. But from there, what I've always been doing and behind the scenes was coaching and mentoring other business owners, how to build and grow and expand and all these other spaces. And what I recognize now, and this is when the when my children got into college, I was able to finally sit back and sit down, right? Because my my time and energy had come back to me. I'm no longer running behind my children for whatever it is they're doing, all their activities. Mm-hmm. And I had a chance to reflect. Right. And it's in those internal moments of, of introspection where you really start to recognize the things that are of value and important. And what I recognize is that I had an amazing run, both personally and professionally. And I had wondered why aren't others having the same experience? Now, clearly there are a lot of simple reasons why, right? A couple obvious ones, <laughs> but ultimately, um, it's just the opportunity. It's just being in the, in the influence of others, right? Uh, being close to proximity, others who have had experience or can teach you something. So if individuals had the opportunity to have the information and then apply the information that makes their personal life better, their professional life better, allows them to be successful in their entrepreneurial space, that journey, imagine the life that they're going to have and all the lives that they're going to impact. And that's when I told myself, I I looked back and I said, all right, what if I'm able to then create a curriculum or conversations or write books in that space? And that's when I realized, okay, I'm starting to realize what I want to do moving forward, right? I'm looking inward and my answers are showing me what it's looking like forward outside for my future and for the futures of others. And it's in that space that I quickly recognized, all right, I have all these skill sets. I'm happy to have them. I'm happy to share them. Now let's do it in a way where I can just reach more and impact the lives of others. I've always done this in my life, you know, giving back to my community, giving back to other members, mentoring, tutoring, coaching at the youth sport level, business level, wherever it is, I help where I can. Here is where I recognized I have the ability to be even more impactful. To more individuals by creating something that they can apply in their life and then showing up and supporting them as they're moving through that. And ultimately, uh, and I had mentioned this earlier, right? Growing forward, giving back. That's the model that we all have to exemplify in our life. We have to be able to be successful in our own personal space, our professional space. And we have to be able to share that information with others so that they can experience that same joy of success because it's going to benefit them as well as us, right? It's not like uh, there's only one pool here and it's zero sum. There's enough for everybody. Mm-hmm. We just have to show and share, right? The only thing that we're lacking in this entire planet is sharing and caring. The only things that are lacking, everything else is in abundance. It doesn't matter what the narrative tells you. And in that space, I said, all right, here's another opportunity in which I can give back even more, just become a lifeline for my community, for others. And that's what I did. I moved into the coaching, the mentoring space for business leaders. 
I've been crafting and creating course content for them and materials that allow them to expand and grow and build their businesses. Because at the end of the day, we all want to help. And I think, I think most people are in the space where they want to help others, but they're not in a position where they can do so. Financially, they're just kind of making it. Or they're doing well, but not well enough to go help someone else. They kind of, they have their own situation under control. Mm -hmm. And this is where I always encourage and implore business owners, don't just make some money, make all of the money, all of it, everything that you could possibly make, because it's at that level that you're going to be able to have the impact that you want to have. Most business owners, they want to grow their business and be successful, take care of their family and help others. But they struggle in that part of helping others because they're just not quite big enough or robust enough or have enough. And here is where I want to show you, get to that six and seven figure level. Let me show you how to get to multiple seven figures. Now imagine all the good that you can do for others when you are operating from that space. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. That's fantastic. That's a big point in that I can I can think of as you're dis- describing that I can think of multiple people who are at the different levels that you're describing of just trying to get by of just making enough to get themselves supported but not being able to do that next step and and also the folks that are able to do that next step of helping and giving back so it's yeah it's sometimes there seems to be this block of like how do we get to the next spot or not even considering that they can sometimes maybe that's even the block so Yeah, that's tremendous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes people just, they don't grow up with the, with, with the example in their life. Right. uh, And they don't realize that they have every ability to do that as well. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, And oftentimes when, when I have these conversations, sometimes we're unlocking permission, right? Right. The the individuals, they're totally gung-ho about it. They want to do it, but there's some type of reservation or limitation. And it's usually something that was handed down to them, you Mm -hmm. know, a limiting viewpoint or something like that a parent or elder in their, in their life at some point kind of shared with them. They're holding on to it like it's their own viewpoint and it stops them from growing in their own space. And oftentimes we remove that so that they can give themselves permission to grow into the beautiful human being that they were always meant to be. And in that space, my good, watch out. When someone <laughs> recognizes that they are completely powerful, that they have every ability to do what they want in their life and then some, that is such a beautiful space for, for the individuals who recognize that and then lean into the application of it. Um, amazing, amazing the results. Mm, yeah, I bet. And what a rewarding space for you to be in to be able to help kind of gu- try to guide people to that spot. That's, yeah. that's remarkable. Yeah, that's where I find my joy, right? Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Oftentimes, it's full of so many little T's and big T's, right? And we're talking about trauma at this point. Mm. And so many things happen in our lifetime going through. And we're holding on to these things decades later in the same capacity in which we originally experienced it. Even though we're so much more mature and so much more capable and so much more whatever else, we're still feeling exactly as as we were in that moment when we first experienced it. We have the ability to rewrite that. And once you do, that same pain that used to hold you or trip you or just bother you, impede you, that same pain gets viewed differently And you recognize that you have every ability to move past it now. 
It doesn't have to hold you or own you or dictate your future. You're allowed to go back into your past, review that situation, rewrite your understanding of it and come back to your future and apply it. So this way you now no longer feel handcuffed the same way from that former trauma. And now you can move forward in such a, in such a much more powerful way and a more impactful and intentional way. Growth is intentional. And when we decide to intentionally maximize our growth, we have no choice but to go back, address those things in our past, fix them and correct them. And that allows us to really move forward. And I always encourage, you know, my clients, my friends, my students, just anyone I speak to, Spend time in that space. It will do you well in so many different ways, not just professionally, but also personally. And in all the areas, right? Health, wealth, relationships, all the major areas in one life. If you can go ahead and rewrite some of those limiting factors, you will transform your future as you continue to build forward. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, a lot of it is unlearning so much stuff. <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think unlearning is one of the biggest skills we can learn. You know, mm. I right. I remember when my children were going to school, and this is you know elementary school, junior high school, high school. They would go to school, they would learn their lesson, they would come home, and the first thing was, "All right, kids, what'd you learn in school?" They would go ahead and repeat it, and I say, "Okay, now." is we're going to move into the unlearning of what you learned in school. (laughs) Because usually so much of it was just backwards or out of place or not quite right, or just an outright, hey, this, I can't even believe they're still peddling this stuff, right? Uh, So at that point, it's let's address these things. Let's break them down, show you how to do it better or easier or more efficiently. Now I'm going to teach you to give it back and regurgitate it the way your teacher wants it. And now you're going to go back to school knowing how to do this thing properly or the truth behind something, as well as how to give the teacher back the answer so you can get 100 on your test. Because at the end of the day, uh, we have a high bar in our household and we demand that our children meet it. Right. Mm. So academically, we demanded that they were excellent. And sure enough, they were. Uh, But that takes time. Right. It's not just something you demand of another and you sit back and watch it happen. You have to do the work as well. But that period of unlearning, absolutely critical for their growth and understanding as they move forward in life. So they didn't just take everything that they heard at face value. They actually started to dive in. And now that they are adults at their own level, they're very cautious you know, and discerning about the people that they spend time with and the information that they consume. Yeah, that's an amazing approach to going through that with your children. And while recognizing that a lot of the systemic educational, you know, textbooks or whatever it is, and and ways of teaching mm, kind of misses some stuff. (laughs) So to have that, I that seems like a great foundation for them to move forward. And like you said, to be able to have a have a better sense of, of truth or what they believe or not. That's Mm-hmm. That sounds uh, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. It certainly was. And to watch them now, their growth. I watched the trajectory of their growth now. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, one, as a parent, you're always proud of your children, right? But even not stepping outside of that, you know, kind of viewing them outside of, you know, just they're my children, they're my family. I recognize that they are just doing so many of the right things in their own life and their timing is right and their choices are, are, are better, right? As a, you know, it's always good, better, best. 
their choices are usually in that better space. And that's all you want for young people, right? Mm -hmm. Because you want them to go enjoy their experience in life, but you want them to have success as they do so. And sitting back and watching their choices, the choices they make now, I know that we spent a lot of time uh, working on the little things and you can start to see how it plays out now as it's their turn to make choices for their life as well as for others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. What are some examples of what you would go over with them, maybe in their high school level? Do you remember anything specific from that time? Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I am a um, not, not just a really good athlete in my heyday, right? But I was an outstanding academic. Mm-hmm. So the bar was always set high academically. So they would come home, mathematics, physics, sciences, any and all of those things. I, I, I'd come back and I'd say, all right, you know, this work is pretty good. You know, it's kind of you know, high school level, no problem, easy enough. I just don't like the way in which they're teaching you. You know, some of the methods that they teach to do mathematics now are so oversimplified. It's actually a little too oversimplified. Mm. They compare some of these lessons to other things in life um, that don't necessarily have anything to do with math. You know, uh, they try to break things down into groups and extrapolate and and guesstimate on certain answers, then get back to the work and try to find the answer. I said, this is the long way around to try to get the answer to many of these problems. Let me just show you quickly how to do long mathematics, which they no longer do in school anymore, apparently. Uh, Absolutely Mm -hmm. insane. Mm -hmm. So in some of those spaces, easy and obvious, right? As an engineer, I can quickly, you know, run through the, 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 mathematic or the science portion of things. Uh, history was another one, just coming back with the history books, what it is they're teaching, uh, the importance of certain things, recognizing, man, that's not that's not quite right. You know, some of these lessons about American history, right? And racism in America, slavery in America, you know, certain genocides that took place here and on this in this country, on this continent. Uh, some of that information is almost like whitewashed or gone over, or all of a sudden it's like a it's like a sound bite snippet of what really happened. You know, I'm like, wait, where's the context to all of this? Yeah. So we would dive into those things, you know? Um, and I had them reading so much college level coursework in their high school days so that they could understand the bigger picture of the lessons that they were learning at the high school level. So again, like that's where we, that's where I applied it. I had no problem giving my children more. And in this point in time, they're finally adults and they lean into that. Right. When it's time to do things, they always lean into doing more. When it's time to share, they lean into more because they recognize you don't have to be scared of the hard work. It, it's actually a benefit. It's going to benefit you plenty and those around you even more so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So take notice, uh, the podcast mission is is all about community connection and personal development. So what's one action that you would suggest people take to start or continue their journey of personal development in general or personal development in involving issues of racism? Mm. Lo- I love this question, by the way. I absolutely love it. Uh, first time I read it, I stopped at personal development because I'm super <laughs> excited about personal development, right? I know that that is the answer to all things. It makes no difference what your problem is. Mm-hmm. If you look internally, you will find your answer to all of your external problems every single time. 
And then when I read the rest of the question, I was like, oh, racism, another good one. Right. So I was like, I love this conversation. <laughs> so, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, let's address the racism part first. Right. Yeah. Because that's the question in its whole. When we're talking about issues of racism and what individuals can do. Right. What what actions can they take uh, to start or continue their journey in this space here? Uh, I think there's a simple rule. Stop supporting those things and people that do not support you. Very simple. At some point in time, we have to stop tolerating injustice in our space, in our actions, in our choices, the things that we buy, the people we support. We have to stop supporting those things that, one, don't support us, and two, are clearly uh, in direct opposition you know, to creating betterment for humanity, right? Because when we're talking about ending racism, th- that's that's an issue of humanity. That's a much larger issue. It's not just, you know, affecting you and your community. It's affecting everyone everywhere. Mm-hmm. And in that space, we have to stop supporting those people, those conversations, those political parties, those candidates, uh, the people in our family, right? We have to stop tolerating injustice wherever we are. And what that means is at the dinner table, in the pews of your church, on the sidelines of youth sports, at family get-togethers, when you're choosing your partner, refuse to refuse to accept those individuals and those parts of individuals that stand completely against that which you believe, that which you hold dear and true to you. Now, when I say stop supporting those things that don't support you, I'm not saying it in a selfish way. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it so you can be a, a, a mean, stingy jerk of a person. And I think that's not what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. We're talking about identifying the ways in which you contribute to the things you don't want to see. When we recognize, hey, and, and this is for me personal, right? Personally, I recognize factory farming was one of those things that aren't just killing you know, my, my, my local economy or, you know, people inside of my local community, it's killing everyone across the planet. Mm. Factory farming, that thing is just wiping out so many resources and creating so much pollution. How is it that I can stop supporting that? Clearly I can't end it on my own, but what can I do to stop supporting that? And somewhere almost 20 years ago, I started to recognize, you know what, I'm going to start to consume things a little differently. I'm going to start to eat a little differently. And in doing so, I slowly stopped supporting those industries that I recognize will create some of the worst agitators and instigators of pollution on our planet. Politically, I want to make sure that I'm not supporting individuals or or helping individuals get elected who are clearly at odds with other members of our community, who are clearly bigoted or biased or racist, or something of that nature, sexist, misogynist. Like I have no desire, no time for that. And in that way, I just refuse to tolerate it. What I recognize that I need to root it out where it stands, and I need to root it out where I stand. So if I start to take this approach of not supporting those things that don't support me, and I implement those actions in my own space, I now have the ability to reverberate that outwards. And in doing so, others are going to see it. They're going to feel it, hear it, understand it. And they're going to join hands. And they're going to oftentimes recognize that they have that same ability in their own space. 
So I would, I would recognize immediately, you know, just like I said, stop supporting those things and people that don't support you in that space. That's where you could probably have the greatest amount of impact in your own personal life, in the lives of everyone that is looking up to you and at you as an example. And for those individuals that have been in your space, choosing to do things that you don't support, they're going to recognize, hey, you no longer support that. I need to be careful now because people will not overstep your boundary if they know there's one there. They won't overstep it if they know you're going to protect it. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a beautiful example. I am a feminist in all things, in all ways. And in that space, I refuse to tolerate locker room talk. I refuse to tolerate that kind of conversation or those things that degrade or denigrate women, those conversations that create spaces where where, where the biggest gaps can happen, especially when we're talking about like generational wealth, right? Uh, that's a thing that impacts obviously black and brown people versus white people, but women versus men. Mm-hmm. And in that space, I just refuse to tolerate it. I make sure that in my businesses, I hire women. I pay them their rate and their worth. And I am the example which I want to see. When other men are in my space, they are very careful about the conversations they have because they recognize I will check them in a heartbeat. I will check them. The same is true for you in your space. If others know that you will refuse to tolerate their injustice, they will stop sharing it in your space. So there's one, right? Personal development issue of racism. Mm When I heard, though, like I said, I stopped originally at personal development, right? Um, and when I think of that space, I'm just like, hey, th- this is where all the answers are, right? Every answer is rooted in personal development. Makes no difference what the problem is. And in that space, hey, commit to that. Commit to your own personal betterment. Watch how that, watch how that shows up in all the spaces of your life. I said it earlier, health, wealth, relationships. Those are the three majors that everybody's worried about. And if you are concentrating on your personal development, your health gets better, your wealth gets better, your relationships stay great. It's very simple because you're always working on yourself. And by looking at yourself, you now have the chance to clean up your own act, right? And then you get to share that better version of yourself with others and the world falls in love with you. The world absolutely wants to support you in what it is you're doing because they recognize this thing is not just good for you personally, but it's good for them as well. Uh, and in that space, uh, there's, there's probably two things that people need to be desperately aware of, right? And in, in personal, uh, this is now at a personal level when we're just talking about personal development. Mm-hmm. Too often we, we feel responsible for the plight of others and we take on their stuff, their stress, their agita, their problems, their issues. We have to recognize that our calendar is full. And when we look at our calendar, it's often full of the wants and needs of others. We really have to commit to ourselves personally. And again, this is not in a selfish way. This is about becoming your best self so that you can help others become their best self. It's a very simple understanding. So if you will identify your commitment to yourself, you will start to see it expand in you into your professional and your personal space. And there are five spaces, there are five key areas for personal development that I tell people, just work in these space, right? My clients, my students, strangers, 
work in these areas, and you will start to immediately see improvement, both personally and professionally. One, sleep. Got to get your sleep in. Two, diet. You have to be aware of what you're consuming. It matters. What you put in is what you get out. Meditation. You need to spend time in thought. You need to be thinking about things in order to move towards resolution. It's not about just doing for the sake of doing. So take some time to think. The same way you clean your body, meditation cleans your mind. You need to do so. Movement is number four. You got to have some kind of exercise. We will grow old really fast in this sedentary lifestyle that we have. Make sure you're moving. And then the last one, detox. Make sure that you are taking time to, even if you don't know what to put in your mouth or in your body or in your mind, put less things in there. Very simple, right? Like if you're not sure of what to do, just less is better. So take the time to do that in terms of your food. Take the time to do that in terms of your drink, in terms of the places that you are going, the people you are hanging out with, the content you are consuming, and above all else, Digital detox is absolutely necessary nowadays. It's critical for our long-term growth because we spend way too much time in front of screens, way too much. And that thing slowly but surely kills us. And we need to be more active and intentional in our movements in that space. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow to all of it. That's such yeah. a wonderful answer to, to that question. <laughs> yeah, it's, listen, uh, I've, been, I've been thinking about these things for a really long time. Yeah. I've been implementing them in my own life for, you know, again, a really long time. Yeah. And now that I'm sharing a lot of this information with others, it's, it's about the actionable items, right? These are the things that the takeaways that you can take, implement immediately, and look at the result. Mm-hmm. Right, very simple for me. It was always that simple. I, I have a, like a a very regimented mind. It's probably why I went into engineering. For me, things are just that simple. When I see something that works, oh, do more of it. Mm-hmm. And when I see something that doesn't work, oh, I got to stop doing that. Sure, right? it's one of the reasons. Like I don't ever apologize ever. Just ask my wife. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and the reason being is because the I see I view the apology as the empty words that mean absolutely nothing. If if I have to apologize, it's because I stepped out of line. I was doing something incorrectly. I did something wrong. Instead of apologizing, let me just correct that and make sure that never happens again. You will never have to address it again. Done over easy. Like That's how I see things and that's how I approach them. And in that way, we all have the ability to create ease and simplicity in our life. And if we're conscious of it and intentional about it, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. The easier we make things, the more impactful they can be. The easier we make things, the easier it is to share with others. So life is as simple or as complicated as we make it. I always suggest make it simple. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. And it really reflects in how you describe your thoughts and 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 these the points that you are making and just to go back just a little bit to the the something that stuck out the maybe not the most but a lot to me was your point of basically boundaries in how you allow people to be around you and and being 
specific and calling people out and not allowing that space, that in your space, it just made me think of another thought of like, if, if more people dedicate themselves to doing that in, in a, in the different realms, there's less space for the damaging things and the, that people say and do. So if more and more people hold themselves to those standards and point things out and call people out for things, then then it'll just exponentially improve spaces for people, which I think is yeah. is what's no, that, that, missing. That's absolutely right. You know, I think most people get terrified when they think about the problems of the world. It seems so magnanimous, so large. Like, how can little old me right. do anything about all of that? Mm-hmm. Right? Like that, and legit, it, it's a legitimate concern. And here is where we have to recognize: you know, our job is not to change the world. Your job is not to change the world. Your job is to change your world. Right. And in doing so, those who are immediately impacted by your world are going to notice. They're going to recognize. They're going to take note. They're going to use you as an example. They're going to continue to look up to you. They're going to mimic and model you. And before you know it, you have created another excellent version of yourself and someone else. Beautiful. And that's, that's how we affect change in the world at a larger level. We can't change the world. We have to change our world. And in doing so, think of the overlapping ripple effects of a community who has dedicated themselves to doing that. All of these single individual entities creating better, expanding, the, you know, just resonating that into the world and the person next to them doing the exact same thing. My goodness, that's the space that we have to occupy. That's where we have to hold ourselves more accountable because we have every ability to create this environment, every ability. We just have to be more intentional about the actual actions that we have to take, like not just talking, but action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Connected to this thought, I have another question for you. So regarding racism, social norms, stereotypes, or similar issues, what is a conversation that you believe should happen more often and openly? So actions are important. And then maybe to inspire those actions, what conversations should be happening more? Yeah. So there, I mean, there are, my goodness, there's, there's a litany of conversations. I wouldn't say that anyone is super you know, more important than the other, but, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the hierarchy, but all of them need to be had. And in that space, here's where you recognize the conversation that you're capable of having, whatever that is, right? Not everybody has to be a master of all things. So I don't have to be an expert in topic A and you don't have to be an expert in topic B. Uh, We can all come to the table where we are. Right. So in that space, uh, just recognize there's there's one rule uh, that rules them all. And this is regard to racism, social norms, stereotype or similar issue. Everyone deserves to live a life free of discrimination. Very simple. And in doing so, we have to recognize that we don't have to agree with individuals in order for them to still be able to live their life. And individuals don't have to agree with us for us to live our life. We have the ability to live alongside of one another, disagreeing, not liking, uh, not on the same page, and still being able to move forward, wishing each other well. There's a line that has been drawn that just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper, right? That separates us from recognizing that reality. We don't have to be 
enemies with each other because we find ourselves on opposite sides of a conversation. Matter of fact, I encourage you to be on the opposite side of a conversation because that, that, that's going to expand our conversation. And in that way, it allows me to grow closer to you and you to grow closer to me by the end of our conversation. And that's a beautiful thing most of the time. So when I think about, you know, what's the conversations we should be having? Again, all of them. We just have to have them in a way that allows the conversation to be had. And this is where we have to be forgiving in this conversation. We can't just, you can't vilify people just because they don't agree with you, right? Like that doesn't help the conversation ever reach the point of resolution. It just stops us dead in track. It stops us in the, in the dead in the tracks of emotion. When I have these conversations, what I normally tell people, and a great many people don't necessarily like it, but I say it anyway, (laughs) check your feelings at the door and then come in and let's have this conversation. And after we're done, you can pick up your feelings and go anywhere you want. It's not because your feelings are not important. It's not because you're not important. It's because your feelings will get in the way of us moving this conversation to the end. It'll stop the conversation from moving forward because your feelings are in the way. And your feelings have no place when we're trying to solve an issue, unless, of course, the issue is your feeling. So in that space, right, uh, allow the conversations to be had. You can't avoid the emotion of a conversation, but you need to be able to check it, even, even partially, even momentarily, so you can move forward with the conversation. Once the conversation is had, though, And here is where we were just talking about action, right? Conversations are good, but action is gold. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple understanding. And we must lean into action at every single turn. So no matter what we're talking about, uh, legislative advocacy, you know, a school issue down at, the, at one of your local uh, local schools, whether we're talking about uh, local government ordinance, it makes no difference what we're talking about. Lean into the action at every turn. Do something. Conversation is only going to get us so far. It's going to help us understand the problem. It's going to help us identify a solution. But at the end of the day, if we don't move into the action of those things, nothing ever happens. And in that space, here is where, when you're talking about action now, the next portion is probably uh, what stalls so many people from moving into action, right? You don't have to be special. You don't have to create something. You don't have to identify a new need. No wheels have to be invented in this space. Everything already exists. Makes no difference what you support, what your movement or motive is. Uh, what are the things that you want to get behind? That already exists somewhere. So here is where you have to be personally responsible to find those people and those organizations and those businesses that are already doing and supporting or whatever it is, right? To the thing you want, go help them expand that. Go help them amplify that. Go, whatever it is you want to do, Go find the person or the organization that's already doing it. We don't have to invent any wheels in this space. Because in order to move towards racism, social norms, stereotype, moving towards ending those things, it's the action that gets us there. And it's that arc of justice. And we've heard it with Martin Luther King, right? Bending the arc of justice. That arc of justice will not bend on its own. It only bends when we demand that it does so. 
when we push and force it into those spaces, when we stop it from moving where we are and we push it into another direction, that's how the arc of justice bends. And we are responsible for that movement. So we have to lean into the action. And if we're recommending, you know, what should people do more often and more openly, they should step into spaces of support and action in organization and community and uh, spaces that need them. Domestic violence, decarceration, prison reform, police reform, whatever your issue is, right? Environmental justice. There are people in places already doing the good work. Go help them. This world doesn't get better because we're going to talk about it. It only gets better when we do about it. And that's the space that we all need to occupy. Mm. Yeah, that's a great answer. <laughs> Again, <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and don't yeah. mind me. Sometimes I get serious about this stuff, but that's no. because it's my passion, Important. right? Yeah. It's my passion, it's my joy, and I recognize. Um, listen, as much as we, uh, as much as we act that way, uh, we don't own this world. We are just borrowing it until we have to give it back to younger generations. Right, and in that way, yeah, give a damn. Be responsible enough to. Give back something better than which you found. Make it your point. Don't just leave the problem for someone else. And there's been a little too much of that going on over one too many decades and generations. And at some point in time, that has to stop. Mm -hmm. And it only stops when we demand we move into action, when we stop supporting those things that don't support us, when we hold ourselves accountable and grow in our own personal development. That's the conversation we just had. That playbook that we're talking about, how to make things better, we just wrote it in our conversation today. Absolutely. I fully agree and appreciate everything that you've said in our conversation because because you say it in such with such clarity, like you're saying it, make it more simple. And and that is what is needed as well. Uh, so many things are overcomplicated. No, I, I just, I appreciate everything that you said. And you have a book out and also you were mentioning a bill to me that you're working on. So can you describe a little bit about your current, what you have currently going on, either one of those or both of those? Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. So well, I'll start in the, um, in that bill space. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I, I've always leaned into and especially as of late has been legislative advocacy, right? It's one of the spaces when I think about activism, where I like to lean into to create real, effective, lasting, tangible change. And when you're writing laws and amending laws, you are creating significant change for the millions of people that those laws affect. So we just finished passing a bill here in New York called Clean Slate. And it's all about sealing right the records of individuals who have satisfied their requirements, mm-hmm. already did the time have moved back into the into the population, into the community, and are now ready to get back to living their life, right? Close the chapter on one of the worst mistakes of their life so they could move on and forward. And what we found over the years is that so many of those people have never been able to move forward freely because they continue to be discriminated against. People see that they have an old record 20, 30 years ago, and they're still 
denied housing, denied employment, denied job. Just it's unbelievable that these things still happen. So that Clean Slate Act, that bill prevents people from discriminating against those people who have already satisfied their requirements. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about people who have satisfied their time, their post-supervision, any other type of requirement, and are ready to move back and become a a member of society, Mm -hmm. right? Those individuals, that bill was just passed. We're also, uh, that one is now in the governor's bill that's going to be passed in the the governor's budget here in New York. It's going to be passed uh, next month. Now we're just seeing which version is going to be passed. We're hoping not too many carve outs or changes are made to our original bill, but that one's passing. And then we have another one. It's a community, not cages campaign. And it deals with three particular bills. One, eliminate mandatory minimums, which is a relic of the old Rockefeller drug laws that arrested and incarcerated thousands of people here in New York unjustly and Mm. unfairly. Some of that is still on the books when we talk about sentencing. And we need to eliminate those remnants, right? Mm -hmm. So it eliminates that. It calls in, you know, a a second look act for those individuals who have already been uh, tried and they already have a sentence. Well, let's take a look at those because not all of that was done fairly, right? Some of it was just excruciatingly painful. First time offense, 20 years. Like, my goodness, right? Uh, Let's look back at some of those things if and when it's appropriate. Uh, and then ultimately good time and, you know, uh, uh, individuals, uh, good time and earn time. We want to encourage people to heal and rehabilitate while they're inside. So when they come home and enter the community, they're positive members of our community. We want to encourage that. So when people are inside, let them have good time. It encourages them to act proper. It encourages them to be an excellent model for others that are inside. It encourages them to seek education and rehabilitative programs. So when they come home, they are that much better instead of worse. Let's let's support those kind of things. Let's create more opportunities to build our communities and let's stop funding all of this human warehousing and caging. And in that space, those are those are Two of the bills that I'm working on, I, I work on a bunch of them. Uh, we write these bills, you know, we lobby uh, elected officials uh, in the Senate and in the Assembly, and then we educate the public because at the end of the day, these are multi-year campaigns. People need to be made aware. Elected officials need to be educated, and then we can start to have the conversation about actively passing, changing, or amending a law. It's a long-term project. But all of these things are so worth it because, like I said, these things affect the lives of millions of people as soon as they're passed. The moment they go into place, Mm. uh, millions start to experience relief from what they were previously. And this is where, you know, I spend a lot of time in that space and we're working on a lot of those campaigns. Clean Slate is going to pass in April. Excellent. We've been working on it for the last few years. Wonderful. Uh, the Communities Not Cages has gained a tremendous amount of support. Uh, we just launched that campaign in January, mm-hmm. and we already have most of the Assembly, no, most of the Senate and uh, a large number of the Assembly already supporting that bill because it's just good common sense legislation. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, can we lean on the side of fairness and equity? Is that too much to ask for? Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and in that space, when we have these conversations, people recognize, no, that's totally honest. It's totally fair. And why not? 
not punish individuals, even when they're doing the right thing. Right. right like, right. Um, you know, it's in these moments where I meet resistance and I always have to remind myself to the overprivileged equality feels like oppression. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. To the overprivileged equality feels like oppression. Sometimes people will get offended that you are trying to create opportunity for others because they think it's taking away from themselves. Right. And again, we're not zero sum. There is enough for everybody out Mm -hmm. here. Why don't we start sharing and caring a little bit more and watch how that starts to play out? Uh, And that's the space that I I, I occupy. So I've been doing a lot of work inside of there and I'll continue to do work in there. Yeah. Uh, I also just recently wrote a book, Unjustified, Where Have Our Black Leaders Gone?, uh, and that also, it, it just dives into conversations that need to be had early and often, especially with young people. I feel as though when you have these conversations with young people, you take away a lot of the false narrative that they will grow into later on and they will start to hear later on as they engage society, the world, television, and all the other goods, all the other good stuff. Mm-hmm. So in this way, Unjustified allows you to open the door to a couple of these conversations so that young people can learn how to navigate the world that they are about to enter. We want to make sure that they're seeing the problem, they can avoid the problem, and then they can find ways to eliminate that thing personally, directly, indirectly. Again, not supporting those things in people that don't support you. Uh, We talk about those things early and often because as a child, you are influenced all the time. You don't even have your own frame of mind just yet, even after you graduate high school. It's not until after you graduate high school that you're ever challenged to think on your own and for yourself. I encourage that to happen early. Do that early. You'll watch your children flourish. Yes, they are not going to agree with you often. <laughs> yes, they are going to talk back every every once in a while because they have found a point in a conversation that's totally legitimate. But that's a good thing. Right? That is totally a good thing. And we should encourage that for my young people because that's going to create the best young person moving forward. And what happens when they start sharing those lessons with others? It just makes for a better world. It makes for a better environment. And that's what Unjustified is all about, recognizing how we hurt ourselves as a community, how others have hurt us because it's legitimate Systemic limitations do exist. But more importantly, how do we get past all of that to create better outcomes for our communities? That's the space in which I occupy. That's what I I find my passion. I love it in those spaces, having those conversations, because, again, thinking of how people can move forward in their life, how they can better their own life how they can then share that with others and better their lives. This is where you get into the conversation of generational change. And that's the change that will last and endure and close the gaps and the bridges that currently exist. Like we spoke about earlier, the generational wealth gap, we referenced it earlier. That's one of those things. If you're having those conversations early with children, they know how to combat it and they'll do their part in closing it. So they're closing it from bottom up. And I'm speaking with a lot of elders and older individuals closing that gap top down. And before you know it, you get to a point where these two dynamics reach each other or at the very least close the gap Mm -hmm. at the very least. And that's the space in which I like to occupy. uh, And I currently find my passion. Wow, that's wonderful. I read up a little bit about your book and and look forward to getting a copy or two to share. (laughs) 
<laughs> awesome. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. This whole conversation, I feel like I'm going to return to for some grounding information when I need <laughs> it. Because uh, it's, uh, it's like you're, I know you are speaking to me, but uh, you are speaking to everybody, but it feels like you're speaking indeed, directly indeed, only indeed. to Thank me. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I one more question for you before I, I let you go. I'm keeping you a little long, but. Um, no, this is an outstanding conversation. I'm We're glad, going talking I'm about glad. some good stuff here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If there's if somebody is interested in, so say I wanted to try to get involved in writing bills or having my voice heard in that realm or trying to push mm-hmm. things forward. What's yeah. one, what's a small way that somebody could start to figure out how to get involved in that? Nice. So I, I love this question above all others, right? <laughs> uh, because again, I always lean back to simplicity and this is true for everything, everything and anything is one Google search away. Yes. <laughs> like that is the truth. So no matter what it is you're into, you will be able to find local organizations who are already doing that, right? Uh, and in that space, you can then support them. Uh, you can join them. You can amplify their voice. Maybe your skill set can amplify what it is they're doing. Maybe your voice, you can lend your voice to these groups so that you can help amplify their message. Uh, there are so many ways to get involved. And just like we were talking about earlier, you're not creating any wheels here. Mm-hmm. Everything already exists, whether we're talking about writing bills or doing something else, all of that already exists. Find your local organization that's doing it and then perform your due diligence. Just like with anything else, take the time to learn. What does it look like? What does it sound like? Where might you be a good fit? Kind of sit back and play that fly on a wall role, right? And and for me, this is how I, I generally operate. I like to sit back and observe before I do anything, right? The, the last thing I do is the action. The very last thing. At first, it's like the old adage, measure twice, cut once. I will sit there and listen and observe and watch and show up at the next panel meeting, town board meeting, Zoom meeting, uh, whatever it is, right? I'll show up and just listen and observe. I'll hear the language. I'll hear the messaging. I'll see the direction. I'll understand the motives. And then I can engage these individuals and say, hey, I would like to help. This is what I do, my specialty. This is how I can help you. I've had a chance to watch you for a while. I now see what you're doing and I can see how I can help help or amplify. And in that space, I'm now ready to engage and speak with you. And maybe you now can start to tell me or show me what you're working on or where you could utilize me to help expand or, or amplify this message. I would, I would tell people to start in those spaces first and foremost, right? Perform your due diligence. And again, whatever you're looking to do already exists. You're not creating anything at all that isn't already under the sun. Go find those places and support them. It will make the best use of your time and energy. And you will be able to create the biggest impact in that space because you're moving something that already has momentum and you're not trying to build something from scratch. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the best advice for anyone looking to get into activism of any kind. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Very helpful. 
Is there any, I know we, we chatted about all kinds of things, but is there anything else that you would like to mention or be, want to highlight or anything before we wrap up today? So other than just a fantastic afternoon, kind of hanging out with a friend, having a great conversation, I <laughs> uh, just wanted to thank you for that and providing the opportunity. And I would be remiss, as my team always tells me, let people know where to find you, Gary. You yes. continue to give and you always forget to ask in return, right? And I I say, you know what? You're right. It's just like when I think of my shortcomings, that's it. I usually show up, I give a ton. And then before you even have a chance to turn around and say, thank you, I'm gone. Right. (laughs) I I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. So please find me, garyovalley.com. Check me out at Gary O'Valley in all of the social media spaces. And the book itself, you can find on Amazon, unjustified, where have our black leaders gone? Please purchase it, support it, have those conversations with yourself, with loved ones, with a friend. At the end of the day, we have to start having better conversations so we can move into the action of those conversations. And what we need to do is just simplify that and get into the work of it. So uh, I just wanted to share how to you know, get in touch with me, how to reach out. I think Perfect. that's probably the best at this point. Yeah, perfect. And we'll share all that in the show notes so people can just do one little click wherever they're listening from and just everybody can connect. And I really appreciate this conversation today and you joining me. I I am going to be re-listening to this multiple times. So (laughs) I appreciate it a lot. And if there's anything that we can do to support you further, just let me know. So That is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, And I hope to connect with you again very soon. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for Take Notice Amplifying Black Stories. Please subscribe and follow us on social media. We are at Take Notice Podcast. It would really help us out if you could take a couple of minutes to review our podcast. You can do so through your podcast app or by visiting our website. It's takenoticepodcast.org. Thank you for your support. Take Notice Amplifying Black Stories is produced, hosted, and edited by Allison Preisinger Higgins with help from many. Music by Version Big Five featuring Darius Higgins. Thank you for being with us and thank you for taking notice. Yeah.